0: wrapping up a week here on the people show first week of the year down 51 to go let's get to it here uh on the people show coming to you live from the kintech studio kintech canada's favorite orthotics provider powered by thousands of five-star google reviews sore feet what are you waiting for find your perfect fit at kintech.net You can be part of the show as well, 650-650 into our Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street. Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. We'll talk to our good friend Ken Priestley from Dunbar Lumber, our Mr. Fix-It, two-time cup champion, former NHLer, coming up in a handful of minutes here at 310. Randy Mueller will join us as well. Uh, from the Athletic Football Podcast, former NFL executive as well, uh, chat about the Seattle Seahawks and setting up a Week 18, which uh, is shaping up to be uh, chaotic, to say the least. Uh, Elon Victor running the show behind the glass, guys. How are you? Doing well, doing well, loving life, loving life, surviving the rain, watching the Karamaki tear it up, MVP, joy to watch, MVP, going to be pumped up. It just uh, like. Just every shot just finds its way through the net right now for the Karamaki. Nice silver lining for Canucks fans, at least. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, no, again, it's the same as last year, right? Where it, it didn't go so well for them, and you do the thing of like, okay, like there was a lot of commentary of people saying, "Boy, I imagine the Canucks would like to have that one back, that draft pick back." And you say, "Look, it's just it's it's a handful of months into it, calm down a little bit." And being an MVP today, it's it's if you stay in the middle, it's being an MVP doesn't mean it, it solidifies any guarantee that you're going to have success at the NHL level, but these are the markers you're supposed to hit along the road, and uh, certainly a feather in his cap, and uh, from where you were a year ago, you take this in stride every single time. We'll, we'll touch on that a little bit later on in the show. The Americans, though, man. We'll, we'll, we'll craft a, a, a Team USA as well. We're kind of doing this practice uh, as we're prepping the show. Uh, a future Team USA. Looks uh, rather daunting. You know, We we get this idea of like, oh, the Americans, they're they're really the superpower. And they're really coming now on the hockey scene. You do the exercise of actually like mapping out the team. And yes, I open up an Excel spreadsheet to uh, to try to map out a team. It looks formidable. It looks really formidable. Uh, Keep coming with your text, 650-650. First one in, competing in the inbox here. Losing to the Blues and the Flyers. We are... Regressing uh, Yeah, I spent a lot of time obviously last night On the post-game show Discussing the loss to the St. Louis Blues Last night, 2-1 to one, uh, Kicking off the 7-game road trip If you missed anything uh, you can grab it on the Canucks Central podcast, myself and Satyar Shah. So I do want to kind of look ahead and some things that are moving forward, because it wasn't exactly the most interesting game uh, last night either. Uh, but then the next text coming in here, would you trade Kuzmenko for Mangiapani? Uh And, you know, for me personally, no, I wouldn't. But I see where your gears are working there. I really do like Andrew Manjiapani to begin with. But... The Kuzmenko discussion, and we'll touch on it with Ken Priestley here in uh, five minutes when he joins us, but the way this is working out right now, I I think when we get into these conversations, and usually when we get into conversations about anything, not just hockey or sports, so just just things in life, we, we tend to approach things as, well, this side is right, that means the other side is wrong, and you frame your arguments based on that. And as this this Kuzmenko talk it thing continues, to me it feels like both parties now are trending towards being wrong. Do I think Andre Kuzmenko should have been scratched yesterday? Probably not, especially given the way the play- game played out. And you need another, you know, dynamic offensive player, just someone who can create something. And was part of, is that part of the reason why the Canucks lost yesterday? Certainly didn't help, considering that they need another offensive piece. But that doesn't mean Andre Kuzmenko is playing well. It doesn't mean he deserves to be in the lineup. And Rick Tockett has, you know, continually gone to this move of scratching him. And even today, Elliot Friedman on the Jeff Merrick Show and the 32 Thoughts Podcast talking about, you know, there was a meeting and he's not playing to the standards and the things that Rick Tockett wants. And it's obvious. You don't need meetings to tell you that Andre Kuzmenko hasn't done things. I said last night on the postgame show, even something as simple as shooting the puck, he's not doing at 5-on-5, five five, on this team, Anthony Bovillier has recorded more 5-on-5 five five shot attempts than Andre Kuzmenko. That's not a reality. He hasn't been on the team since November. So even if something as simple as, can you shoot the puck, let alone staples of four-check-hard, defensively-responsible, all those things, it's bad, by the way, at 650-650. Did I say formidable wrong? Did I say formidable? Either way, uh, text coming in. It's formidable, not formidable. Anyways, uh, good shouts in the inbox. Always competing, but for for Kuzmenko, the, the, there aren't necessarily things that are working. But now you lose last night, and you could have used a little bit of uh, offensive juice. And I just look at this too of the 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 the, the hard line Rick Tockett has taken on some players. And and think of some guys that have changed their game for their own betterment. I look at Connor Garland. It's probably the most obvious example for this right now. Connor Garland, like I've had our issues. He, certainly, you know, a player that you traded a high draft pick for, given a contract to, a lot of expectations for him. And part of the frustrations is you you watch him play, and at times previously, rather than outside of these last fifteen games. 20 games, there was a lot of wasteful opportunities for Connor Garland. And now you get to this line with Bluger and Joshua and it's really clicked. Not only are they playing well, but it looks like he's changed his game. He's not just senselessly shooting the puck at the net. Other players, Dakota Joshua called out earlier this year, helping change his game. Playing with a bit more physicality. Playing with way better positioning and leverage, Not and to, to the point that he's useful on the penalty kill changing your game. And Andre Cozumaco has gotten these opportunities to come out of the lineup, go back in, and he's not really changed anything about himself. And at the baseline, you're going to play with Elias Pettersson. you got to shoot the puck. He's going to set you up, you have to shoot the puck. And you're not even giving yourself opportunities to generate enough shooting attempts. And it's it's kind of the thing we've been discussing on the show this week of is he even the type of player to do it? Because he feels like he wants to handle the puck so much. And it's not as if he doesn't have a good shot. You're not being asked to do something that you can't succeed in. And you look at that for Andre Kuzmenko, and I don't think either side can keep doing what they're doing. I don't know if either side wants to see a resolution come anytime soon. But you look at this and you say, you get on the ice, you don't perform. Rick Taka is trying to make a decision to try to get two points, and he's not getting two points. There's only so many times you can go to this well of saying, hey, we're going to scratch you and you're out of the lineup, and it's for the betterment of the team. Because losing last night 2-1 in a rather you know, somewhat listless performance uh, that is an issue. Uh, Richard, the goalie dad, in kits, texting in. Realistically, Canucks are punching above its weight class. Not every piece in the current lineup is under the microscope like Kuzmenko. Others sit without notice. But in the end, this team can defend in the play, Or can this team defend in the playoffs? Regular season is nothing but glorified Disney on ice. Uh, you ain't going to see Michigan goals or you'll see a toothpick sandwich. Uh, that's Richard, the goalie dad, in kits, texting in. Uh, This one, Gord, I was never on the anti-PD bandwagon, but I'm starting to wonder. Last night was a game begging for him to lead the team. Invisible again. Let's hope uh, better from him these next six games. The Pedersen stuff is nonstop right now. I I, I did it yesterday at the show. I've done it earlier this week. Hey, we we invite the opinions. I I can see Elon uh, chuckling behind the glass. I I, I can't do another Pedersen segment, Elon. No, we won't do another Pedersen segment because he's <laughs> going to step up on this road trip, and Gord will see, okay, I like Pedersen again. Mm-hmm. That's how it is with the with the fans, right? But It's the thing I don't get. It's like he is producing. Now, now, last night, it's it's fair. Like, hey, you needed someone to grab that game by the scruff of the neck, but it, it's the point I've been making. It's like they need more dynamic players uh, up in the uh, top six. And that, for me, is like this. This recent spell here is the reason. It's like the Philly game exposed that the Blues game exposes that or reveals it. I don't know if will, you use the word expose, uh, but re- reveals that. Yeah, there's there's still work to do. They didn't solve all the problems in the off season that you came into this season with a bunch of trepidation. Uh, it still needs uh, some work here because Miko is in a dry spell. Uh, we said the same about Besser last year. The thing is, is, is he's he's got eight goals, you know, nineteen points in the year, which is not good enough. But he has a shooting percentage of seventeen point eight percent. Like it's an incredibly good shooting percentage. Brock Besser last year was three points below his career average. It was ten percent. Like Andrej just needs to shoot more. At bare minimum. Do this to shoot more. Uh, We'll get to uh, our thoughts with Ken Priestley here in just a second. Uh, Joining us uh, from Dunbar Lumber, the two-time cup champion. Uh, A couple more in the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox here. PD slowing down is the best thing possible. Saves us money in the long term. That one's from Tony. I tell you what, the agency ain't going to make that argument. (laughs) They're they're gladly going to sit them down and say, Really? It's a difference of 50K to you? 150K to you? 250K to you? Uh, let's just see what he looks like on the open market. It'll be significantly uh, different when they get to the actual negotiating table as far as uh, what it does for the money. The money is going di- to be dictated by those who can take Elias Pettersson away from you. Bottom line, right? The the opportunity to use comparables uh, was probably last summer. Didn't get done, and now every day that goes by, the leverage slowly swings towards the Elias Pettersson camp. All right, let's chat with our good friend, uh Ken Priestley, former NHLer, two-time Cup champion, and more importantly, our Mr. Fix-it from Dunbar Lumber. Ken, how are you?
1: We're doing great, Beck. Yourself?
0: Uh, we're doing great. How was the New Year?
1: Uh, New Year was fantastic. I uh I haven't had a New Year's like that in a long time and uh yeah, it was it was a lot of fun.
0: Brilliant. Uh we we'll hope the holidays were fantastic. Uh plenty to get into uh with the Vancouver Canucks and the Kuzmenko conversation is the one that's uh you know consistent here it, it it's constant it seems like cuz every time he gets scratched it, it gets brought up um I, i'm curious we'll get into just like the specifics of him have you ever been in a coach's doghouse i think so i think uh i think every
1: player goes through it a little bit um i had one especially in the minors with rochester when john van boxmeer was my coach and we just didn't see eye to eye and and it wasn't i don't think it was necessarily a, I think it was just a young player coming in out of junior who was sort of sort of set in his ways and mm-hmm. was finding out trying to find his way at the professional level, and um, he was just basically trying to tell me that this isn't junior anymore, and uh, there are parts of your game that have to be worked on, and uh, and this is how we're going to do it, and um, you know it it just took me a little bit of time to adapt to to the style of play that, uh, that he wanted to play. But um, once we kind of got our heads around it, uh, it, it, it worked out fine.
0: So how hard is that? part right because I was kind of making the point here a few minutes before you joined us that you know Connor Garland in the last you know 15-20 games changed his game he's become a much more you know conservative offensive player and it's helping uh, Blueger and it's helping Joshua and he's not shooting you know recklessly as much and there's other players that have changed their game for the benefit of the team but how hard is that element of like learning how to change your game a little bit
1: well you first have to be receptive to it that's the biggest thing mm-hmm. I mean you can you can come out a junior and and you can be a big goal scorer, um, but if if that's not the plan that the next step has for you, um, you have to be able to adapt and um, and if you've and and it's very very hard. Like uh, I came out a junior as a as a high point total guy, uh, I was I was a regular on the power play. I was a regular to score goals and and. You know, consistently it happened in the minors. But for for my game change, when you went up to the NHL level, there was already those types of players uh, at my position on my team that were already established veterans that uh, were taking that role. And if if that's the only way you can play, um, then then your your ice time or your even your time in the, at the NHL level is going to be uh, very very minimal. And um, it's 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 tough it really is tough it's, it's a tough way to 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 play the game if you've only been playing it one way for a while but uh you know what for most players um there is a there is a sort of a, a time where you just have to sort of Take a deep breath. Take a look at it. And if you can do it, you know, if that's the only way you're going to stay in the NHL, then it's, then it's definitely worth changing your game for.
0: Because traditionally we talk about, you know, players that are, you know, as you mentioned, like skilled players and juniors and the minors and they come up to the pros and, you know, they, they, they want to stay in the league. And so they take on like a penalty killing role or learn – expertly how to do face-offs, right? And they, and they survive in the league, and that's how they apply their craft now in the NHL. This isn't that. This is, a, you know, there's things that if you want to play in the top line, it's not that you don't have skill to play in the top line. It's the, there's just certain elements that, you know, from my pocket size, Andre Kuzmenko's not doing, and it's spot where he is scoring goals. It's, it's not the other part of, hey, save your career. Yeah, no, the last, the last thing Rick talk wants Kuzmenko to do it, is fail. That's not, that's not
1: what they were. Um, They brought in a new staff that had to figure out what they wanted to do with this team. That staff brought in Rick Tockett and his assistants. And now the job is up to all those guys to figure out how this is going to be a successful team. When, when they figure this out, they're going to put players in certain roles that they think are going to be successful to make this team better. And they have found that uh, this is the way it, they think that they're going to be successful. And how can you argue with them? It's, it's, the team is, is very fun to watch. Um, it's had success in, a, in multiple different areas that it, the team in the past had, had very little success in. So there is going to be and there are going to be odd players that are kind of in and out of the lineup. And some of them you you, you would expect and some of them you're not going to expect. But, you know, it's a learning curve for, for everybody here. Of course, there's players that are going to play on a regular basis and, and they're going to get the benefit of the doubt most of the time. But there are going to be players that uh, have to pick up their game. And if they want to play at this level and they want to be successful at this level, they'll have to buy in.
0: Uh, it, it's a bigger story than than maybe it should be because uh, it, it, it's it's not the Andre Kuzmenko Canucks, it's the Vancouver Canucks, and so it, it it bleeds into other parts of the roster. How do you think this impacts like Pedersen and his line mates and gaining chemistry at this part of the year?
1: Well, I think with Pedersen, I mean, it it definitely impacts his game because he is the consistency of line mates is not there for him, and you can see it. They're trying to find chemistry with him, whereas last year. Uh, kind of the free-wheeling style that um, that his wingers played, um, uh, he was able to to get those players the puck, and they were able to be successful. But on a personal level, but on a team level, it wasn't. Uh, it just didn't work. And um, you know, obviously, uh, Pedersen a phenomenal player. No one can no one can ever argue this. He contributes to this team in in so many different ways, and in, and in ways that nobody even thought he would. Uh, you know with the penalty kill and all that stuff that uh, that talk it has them doing now it's just that the inconsistency sometimes with wingers a left and a right winger that you know you're practicing with day in and day out just that 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 sort of sixth sense of trying to know or knowing where each other is on the ice and you know, sometimes just these no-look passes, like, how did he do it? You know what? You just know it because that's what you've been doing in practice for so long. And and they practice these types of situations all the time. So in, in Pedersen's case, yeah, I, I I definitely see it affecting him because there's just the consistency of playing with a regular line just isn't there at the moment.
0: So at this part of the season, you know, Canuck's sitting here with 51 points. Um what do good teams do during this stretch, right? Because we've seen some experimentation, like the Bluger line has gone ahead, some matchup roles here. Um, you know, how, how much experimenting should be going on when you're having the, the type of success the Canucks have had so far this season?
1: I, I think you're just you're just trying to find ways every day that uh, that your team's going to get better. And um, I mean, the, the Teddy Bluger line has been absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. The energy that that group brings. Um, to this team is, it's contagious. There's there's absolutely no, no doubt about it that if those three guys were not on this team right now or were not playing to the level that they're playing at, that I think you might find sometimes games get tilted in different directions. But, um, um, you know, they're going to tweak no matter what. And it doesn't matter... It doesn't matter what, whether you're winning or you're losing, you're you're always trying to find ways. Uh, sometimes just small little things, but uh, there's all there'll be times in the season going forward that they have to do some major things. Just because you never know about injuries, you never know about you know all sorts of things that can pop up. But um, I don't think uh, to stay at the top of this uh, this league as long as the Canucks have been this year. Uh, and wanting to go further and and into the playoffs and, you know, potentially maybe winning a cup, you want to make sure that your team can adapt to absolutely anything thrown at them. And uh, if that means that they are preparing now for something that is, you know, a month down the road, they're prepared. And and if you're not prepared, uh, you just won't go as far as you should.
0: Uh, Last one for you here. Watching here recently, and I want to be clear. Like I don't think they've been poor. Uh, they just haven't been as good as we saw earlier in the season. Uh, but Hughes and Ronick, and them together, is when you look at that pairing, is is that a natural partner for Quinn Hughes? Um,
1: I I, th- I think it's I I think it's good. Um, mm-hmm. I think that um there are times that you know that they that maybe they're not on their on their game, but you also. They're playing the best teams in the world that know players in the world, coaches in the world that know are trying to find ways to not have Quinn Hughes get three, four points a game. You know, to not have Philip Ronick making long blue or behind the goal to far blue line passes for breakaways. I mean, there's ways that these guys are being defended now that at the beginning of the year um, they couldn't figure it out. Um, Now that now that it's been three, four months into the season, you can you you find tendencies that players do. And sometimes it's easier to defend. But you know what? They're 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 exciting. Um, I think they still have, uh, you know, more to give. Um, I think that we haven't still haven't seen the best of both of them. Um, we've seen some pretty good hockey out of them i mean they, they have done uh, i think if you would have thought that heronic was going to give you um what he's given you so far this first part of the season everybody's ecstatic about it there's just absolutely no no question about it and um, he can hold his own um with any pairing and so you know now quinn hughes being what quinn hughes is and He's an electric defenseman that every team has to watch and, and make sure that they are aware of where he is on the ice at any given moment. Um, defense is going to get stronger on those guys, but uh, that's what drives those guys. They want they want the competition. They want to make sure that they're the best players on the ice, and I think they'll continue to at least try to be that one person for sure.
0: Uh, he's Ken Priestley from uh, Dunbar Lumber, Mr. 2 two-time cup champion, former NHLer. Ken, I always appreciate it.
1: Thanks, guys. Take care.
0: That's Ken Priestley joining us here. Uh, on the people's show. This text coming in from Ronnie. Beck, I'm absolutely going to lose it if I hear about scratching Kuzmenko being the wrong decision because of how the game played out. It's process, not result. And Tockett was correct to do this. The team has, has 135 goals, not scored by Kuzmenko, which would be tied for second in the West. The team doesn't need his offensive juice. They need to continue playing the brand of hockey that has gotten this th- them this far. How do you know we wouldn't have conceded more than two goals had we played with him. Sure didn't win last night, but it was the correct decision. Good text there from Ronnie coming into the inbox. And you're right, Ronnie. Like it, it's it's true. Like if he was on the ice, is it a four three game instead for the blues instead of two one? It's absolutely true. But you you look at the, the way the game played out, and Rick Tockett obviously wanted to go with the more checking lineup. Uh, more responsible lineup, and the game kind of went that way. 2-1, low scoring, checking in that environment. But again, it's fair to point out, would it be a different cause uh, with Andre Kuzmenko in the lineup? But it's also about you know, trying to project to the future, right? Like Winning on January 4th is not the most important thing this team is gearing up for this season. Come playoff times, round one, round two, and you need a little bit more offensive juice, are you going to be trusting uh, a player in the lineup in the playoffs and are you looking at a scenario where, hey, you need a goal and you don't have enough offensive firepower all of a sudden? The 135 goals, yes, it's true, but they, they've scored a lot this season. No one's going to deny that. They're facts. The goals have crossed the, – the, the puck has crossed the goal line. But we're sitting here routinely seeing changes to the top six. There's – Things to wonder about if there's enough talent in the top six consistently that you can build out consistent lines. All right, really quickly here, because it's week 18, not going to do an extensive version of Big Six here. All the starters and sits and everything that's happening here, I'll give you the picks here, but uh, every Friday, it's Big Six.
1: Good teams win, great teams cover.
0: Take it to the house. It's Big Six. 3-3 3-3 three and three last week, above 500, 49, 47, and 6 on the air. That's 51%. Let's get into it. Texans, minus 1.5 at the Colts. One of the few games that's got something uh, riding on it. You know how I feel with the Texans this season. I'm going to back them in this spot. The Colts, they got something really good going. And it'll get better next season. Shane Steichen looks like an incredible coach. They get Anthony Richardson back. They'll be better next season. But I like the way this Texans team is playing right now. C.J. Stroud is back. So I'm going to lay the points. Texans win 24-20. Chiefs plus three and a half at the Chargers. The Chargers don't have a home field advantage. Their season's over. Good teams have depth. And I know the Chiefs have slid here a bit. But they are one of the better teams in the league. The Chargers... Don't have depth. Their season's been a complete mess. Uh, I'm just going to take three and a half points. I know the backups are in for the Chiefs and no Mahomes, but I'll, I'll take the points. Chiefs win 20-13, to 13, even on the road in Los Angeles. Bears plus three at the Packers. The Bears defense has turned into one of the best units in the league. And yes, they're going up against a fantastic Packers offense with Jordan Love breaking out now. But the Bears' offense has also stepped it up here recently with Justin Fields, Khalil Herbert uh, rushing the ball. DJ Moore has been fantastic for the Bears. So I'm going to take the points in this spot. Bears with an an upset, keeping the Packers out of the playoffs again. They win 27-24. Ravens plus three at the Steelers. I'm taking the points again. Same thing. They're the best team in the league. It's not just because they have 20 guys and everything else kind of falls in line. They are a deep team. So – You look at preseason and how much success the Ravens have there. They take these spots seriously and a chance to keep your biggest rival out of the playoffs. I'm taking the points. Ravens win 24-17. Titans plus three and a half versus the Jaguars. Taking the points in this spot too. A lot of underdogs this week. Ryan Tannehill goes back at QB for the Titans. Titans. And keep your rival out of the playoffs. The Jaguars are a mess. It's not exactly they're racing to the finish line. They're sputtering in a big way. So I'll take the points here. Titans win 2017. And finally, Bills minus 2.5 at the Dolphins, uh, laying the points in the spot. Win and you're in for the Buffalo Bills. They do it 27-21. So that is Texans minus 1.5, Chiefs plus 3.5, Bears plus 3, Ravens plus 3, Titans plus 3.5, and, and Bills Minus two and a half. Back on the other side here on the People Show, Randy Mueller will join us, former NFL exec, and on the Athletic Football Podcast coming up here on Sportsnet 650.